Divaris. Jason Garrett. Yeah. There you are. You're on my screen that. again. Uh, I know. So good. Oh, it's always like one of my highlights of my oh, life. Oh, man. <laughs> I was so looking forward to this podcast that I thought it was yesterday, 24 hours ago. I was like, Dave, are we talking today? And you're like, no, another 24 hours. And what a 24 hours it's been since then, may I say. I've had a knock around 24 hours. My mum's in hospital. It's all right, oh folks. Gosh, yeah. She's she's okay. But, you know, you never like to see your mum go to hospital. Um, uh, we had an infestation of bees in the roof of our house. We had to call a guy. And then my dog got a little ear infection. I had to go to the vet. It went from a zero day to like a $700 day yesterday in my house. Wow. Like it was I am, full on. I feel on. like that's my fault. We should have done the podcast. I know. I know. I know. Our dulcet tones would have, would have sent the bees away. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so my, my day has not been nearly as exciting. I have a six, five, a sick five-year-old in my house. Right. Okay. Uh, right. So we've been dealing with sickness in our house and which involves a whole lot more now work that, nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. With, with not being able to do things and uh got his covid test done today so we'll find yeah. out i'm pretty sure he's fine well he's good luck got a cold he's good just luck. got a cold no nobody worry he's fine. nobody he's just worry. stuffed up we're fine guys yeah. we're fine we're just you know we're busy we're adulting it's good it's good yeah but but but, but our guest today is so great and it's just it oh. was such a nice talk like i gotta say i yeah i i knew it was going to be wonderful going into it and then it it even surpassed my expectations. Yeah, it is. It, uh, it is a wonderful talk, and uh, great to catch up with Kevin. Um, great to get so many pearls of wisdom in there as well. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like um, we talked about the craft, we talked about the culture, we talked about like the world of improv at large, our personal histories with improv. Like we talked, we got through everything in this. Yeah, uh, and there was still more that I wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, we have booked a, a a second episode with Kevin sometime next year, <laughs> um, so um, we'll uh, we will get him back. Uh, but yeah, please enjoy this wonderful episode of In Conversation. And thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Oh yeah, do that. Rate us. Tell oh, your friends. I just thought I'd, I just yeah. thought I'd try and throw that in there. Get yeah, in yeah. We never, we never really say that. You, you know, give us some ratings. Uh, go on to Apple things and give us ratings. Write some reviews. Share this on your socials. <laughs> Um, share it We're amongst here. your improv the, groups. The pandemic, the pandemic yeah. isn't over. We're here. We're yeah. here. Please. Until we do a festival together, we're doing this. We're podcast. doing this. <laughs> so uh, we've had lovely guests. Uh, yeah, share it around. That would be great. It'd be doing us a big favor. We never really ask our audience for anything. But you know what, guys? Do it. Do <laughs> share it. it. Do it. Just do it this time. There's one time, time just on Facebook, Twitter, something. Just say, like, hey, you guys should check out this podcast. It would really yeah. help. That'd be wonderful. All right. Thank you. All right. Here's uh, us with Kevin. Be- I'm sitting in the back of a van, chilling with my man Dave Boris. All I wanna do is sing this chorus. Sitting in the back of a van, sitting in the back of a van, chilling with my man Dave Morris. All I wanna do is sing this chorus. Sitting in the back of a van. Alpha Bravo Charlie Delta Echo Five. Kevin Belize. Here he is. How you doing, buddy? I'm so happy to be here with you guys. This is fun. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's really nice. Kevin and I had a little chat earlier. We we uh, we had a little, uh, you know, just just test the waters a bit. Logged on a bit earlier, you know, just just made sure that that the the vibe was there, and then uh, logged off again. Had a bit of a break. I always always show up an hour early to every meeting <laughs> just to make sure everything's cool, and then I circle back an hour later. That's for me. That's professionalism. It's a vibe check. You, you both you both caused me so much 
serious like concern. I was like, did I screw? And I had to look through all the messages I sent for arranging. Did I send the wrong thing? No, I was right. I was totally right. And even like Jason thought we were doing this yesterday. And I was like, wait, hold on. No, I was right. No, I was you're right. I had the wrong 29th because it was the 29th slash 30th. And I'm like, okay, I'm leaving the 29th the now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And so. But here we are. We made time it. zones. Time we made it. Whack. And, uh, Kev, it's so nice to see you, man. I, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I saw you in person. And I oh, think man. it was, it must have been a rabbit fire festival, maybe. Sure. Like in the. Or a Vancouver festival. One of the, yeah. Like somewhere in the mid 2000s. Uh, like. <laughs> like t- 2050. You mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you- like 2006, seven, eight, yeah. nine, somewhere yeah. in there. Or 50. I, either one of those is equally as, uh, no, no. Yeah. Like 2007, maybe. I don't know. 2008. I've been down here for more than a decade. Yeah. And I remember we talked about, we talked shop online a few times since then. Right. Yeah. Um, because I just hit you up for your knowledge of Tarantino one time and, you know, a couple of different things. I remember. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, and that might have been ten years ago. So that's, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's that's where we're at. Um, yeah. so, but it's so good to see you, man. You look great. You're one of the most. You're, you're on my list of most positive people. Oh, dude, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're on, you're I think the list. last time uh, it's a long you, list, but you're on it. You're on it. You're, like, <laughs> you're, you're in the top ten. I think the last time you were in Melbourne was the last time we hung out in the flesh, Kevin, as well. Like, which was when you guys bought Scratch here a long time ago. It would have been maybe the early noughties. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Again, probably in that same era, right? Because yeah. like all of my, all of my globe trotting and jet setting really simmered down when I took the artistic director job at Dad's because the yeah, job yeah. was way yeah. bigger than I realized mm-hmm. at the time. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't. Now, I, I can go to like a festival here and there, but I can't yeah. be like hitting like four or five festivals a year anymore. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's when it all quieted down. You got to stay home, keep the fire burning <laughs> and yeah. send other improvisers off in, into those fun festivals. Right. I do not think of it as keeping the fire burning. I think of it as um, you remember in one of the Spider-Man's, I don't remember which one there's like a train that's like going to like go careening into the water. And then Spider-Man has to yeah. shoot webs out of his arms and then use the strength. Of, and it's like <laughs> breaking his body open just to try to protect the people. That's what, <laughs> In my opinion being an artistic director is all about uh, yeah i feel it i feel that i feel that and <laughs> yeah. i think actually i think that happens in every spider-man movie too yeah just to, just to clear i think every at one point he's pulling a train uh, together I've, I've been there i was artistic director of improv melbourne for three years but at the end of that three years my body just burst open and the train ran straight off the cliff <laughs> someone else caught it like <laughs> i was just like okay <laughs> i don't know if you're heroes out and there. see and see this is this is the the joy of like being the artistic director of a company that you've started so like i founded paper street in my vision so mm. when there was a speeding train i was like whoa whoa we're not getting into speeding trains. No way. We're going to take the bus. We might walk a little. And then I get to do my stuff. So I never, I never had to save a speeding train. Yeah. I was done. We didn't even install rails. In my I thought you were going to say, in my, because I designed it, it's like when there's a speeding train, I'm like, I wanted there to be a speeding train. I'm not stopping oh, yeah. it. I This is to teach you all a lesson. And you yes. know. It's like that character. Oh, I'm about to make a deep cut. You ready? It's like that character in the Putty Prince, the little prince, the book <laughs> that, yeah. that commands the universe by telling the sun to set, but only when it is sunset. 
So he's always right because he only makes reasonable requests of things. That's that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I, I wanted that trend to be there. Therefore. I think I think there's a whole management book right in this, Dave. Like in the uh, I, the sunsets when I say so. This is by Dave Morris. Yeah. Because I only say so, <laughs> say so. at sunset. <laughs> That's just like oh. a more poetic version of even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is. Which is another way of summing up Paper Street. Just a more poetic version of what everybody else does. <laughs> it's not it's <laughs> <nothing> special. <laughs> I mean, you know what? That is, that is special, though, I think. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you remember that night we spent to, together with a bunch of peeps Ooh. banging around Melbourne, but we ended up in a place <laughs> uh, called Stalactites uh, eating kebab at like 4.30 in the morning. Yes. Yeah. It's like a Melbourne institution and you walk in there and it looks like a cave, like there are stalactites coming from the ceiling down eating uh, in the Greek precinct of Melbourne at 4.30 in the morning with uh, a lot of beers and us having delicious 24 hour Greek food. It was, uh, mm. it was quite the night. <laughs> Delish. Yes, I do remember that well. And in <laughs> fact, I have to admit though, I have been back to Melbourne one time since then, but it wasn't for improv. It wasn't for comedy festival or any of this stuff. Nice. Um, because Amber, what got booked to some cons down there. Oh yeah. And it was right around her birthday. And it was like, Oh no, like you're going to be away working for like a month at your birthday. And then basically we were like, well, yeah. the con said we can fly you first class one ticket or not first class two tickets. And so she took the comfort hit on the nice. I could come down, but not for the whole time. But I came down for some of it and met her down there. Yeah, But yeah. I didn't really see anybody. We just kind of did. Romantic. Yeah, low key Melbourne trip. Good on you. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> to romantic Melbourne. Oh, it's a pretty yeah. good, it's pretty romantic place. So oh, yeah. come on. I Melbourne can't believe. Is, at no joke no joke i'm not just saying this to suck up one of my top five cities melbourne no question yeah i gotta we'll get go you then. here I've soon been, we'll get only, you here soon dave i've only ever been to sydney i gotta get back over to melbourne oh, sydney's crap yeah. just, come on <laughs> sydney is come crap <laughs> <laughs> what opera opera's opera. what you got <laughs> one way streets come on pick both directions <laughs> you can do it yeah Oh man, uh, Kevin. When uh, so I was getting ready to like see you were coming on, so I was like, "Oh wait, I can't wait to talk about all these things." And then I started writing down the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I was like, "There's just too many things to talk to you about." <laughs> I was like, "Where do I start?" I don't even know because I'm like, "I'm like you do scratch, rabbit fire, dad's garage." You're making movies now. You teach yeah. me probably like what what like you have the best voice ever. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> I feel like I have the voice that the guy that raps the Humpty song has. <laughs> like a little yeah. Yeah. nasally yet bassy <laughs> yeah that's what i mean the best voice ever the humpty rap voice come on man that was my jam thank you dude. Um, you're so sweet man yeah but i think i want to i want to ask you about scratch first because i think that was like one of my first first introductions to you Me with too, like yeah. your with like your own project because i've seen you in rapid fire and stuff which is like you know doing great shows and theater sports and what have sure. you but like scratch was like it felt like it was the thing that you really like like um like envisioned and you and arlen sort of put that together and like i want to know like how did that come together like what was the process what were the steps what were the different things you tried that didn't work like tell me about scratch tell everyone about scratch because some people probably don't even remember it because they're all these young kids yeah well scratch now exists only really in the minds of 
people in Edmonton and Atlanta. That's the only place we do shows anymore because right. we don't, it, you know, touring isn't our priority, but we've always done Edmonton Fringe. We started at Edmonton Fringe. We've, the only Fringe we've missed, we started in 2005 and we only missed last year and this year because of COVID. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we've been doing runs at the Edmonton Fringe Festival every year and kind of still have our following there. But when it started, it was like very chaotic and not structured and not thought out. And it was just like, we're going to st start some threads and like try to like tie them together. And then it's like through erosion, like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Artistic erosion, because it's like you do it over and over and over and then you start changing and then it gets slowly, it becomes something that's actually a format, you know, mm -hmm. like, so uh, for people that don't know, it's like, I mean, sounds kind of standard from the outside. It's like, oh, we do three different narratives that like, that like connect. And um, there's a montage in the middle and we do like, you know, uh, we have a fancy editing device where we jump and spin to, to do like cutaways. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and we play each other's characters. So we try to have scenes with lots of characters and we're all like bouncing around doing all the characters. Yeah. But like none of those elements I don't think are particularly unique, but just our combination of them is what our thing became. And the energy that you bring to it as well is astounding. Like that's the thing that has the audience on the edge of their seat. I mean, it's funny, it's entertaining, but that energy of of, of the way that you connect, the way you change and and keep it so sharp is is the thing that always oh, yeah. had me sitting forward as well. I'm assuming you're still doing it with that amount of energy, but I don't know. That. It's <laughs> yeah. been like years now. Maybe you're like getting old, and you're like, oh, let's not jump and can we not like jump and spin? Let's just turn slowly and change gears. <laughs> it's like maybe it's maybe it's altered. Look, man, when we were at our peak, like probably the times that y'all saw us when we were like touring, like literally six months a year. Yeah, um, we were young. Uh, i.e. like in our 20s <laughs> mm -hmm. and we were so committed to physicality that we would like workshop like stunts right like i would be like okay you stand up and then bend over and like kind of give me a shelf on your back and i'm gonna try to roll off your back and what i want you to do is give me a boost at the last second and see if you can kind of like send me flying and it's like we're practicing this shit like in a park you know what I mean? It's like, and we we injured ourselves. It, like there was, it might come days. up. We, yeah. what's that? I might have to roll. I might have to roll over your back. I, I might come up. We should be ready for this. Like, oh, not even. No, like we were like it was like Lotsi. It was like yeah. Comedia dell'arte. You know what I mean? Like uh, we had yeah, sure. physical shit that we could bust out. And it's like you don't know when, but you know when it's go time. You nod yeah. and you can launch into something that's fairly complex physical comedy mm -hmm. yep. that you know you couldn't just figure out that seamlessly so yeah, it's of course, I, yeah. I don't want to front like we're like that just it, flipping up it begs the question what is pure improv what's not improv what when are you stepping outside of improv <sighs> yeah let's yeah. we can get right into that if you want <laughs> let's do i don't i don't want to i just had to yeah, no, I think I think but I think it's a good point. This like to safety is super important. Like, yeah. If you're gonna be doing stunts, the worst thing is like, let's improvise a sword fight. Yeah. That's just sword fighting. You're literally just sword fighting. You're not even pretending at that point. So like like those some certain physical things you wanna have ready to go. Like we like what like a simple example, we did Tennessee Williams was one of our first shows. 
And there was, you know, there's hitting sometimes where you hit somebody. And so we rehearsed how to do a stage hit. If you're going to slap somebody, this is how we do it. And we all practiced it. And so that when we did it, you knew it was coming and it was safe and it was fine. And like something like that, except you guys just happen to have a much more physical show that needed a lot more physical yeah. safety mechanisms. Right? And, and nothing's, yeah. nothing's going to shake an audience up more than, than seeing performers endanger themselves on stage uh like nothing will break that reality more than than that you know than than the audience like you've created worked so hard to create these worlds these characters and all of that can slip away with with you looking unsafe like they if they start worrying about you as the performer all of that work is wasted so you've got to have it looking looking good yeah. We, we flew too close to the sun, to be honest. Um, we hired a uh, fight choreographer to mm -hmm. work with us on some sessions. And um, we were like, look, I know how to grab my own hair. And then he grabs me and I'm actually guiding, you know, some yeah. of this basic stage combat stuff can be improvised safely if there's trust mm -hmm. and rapport relatively easily, as long as you know how to do it. Yeah. We were like, we want to get into elite stage combat right yeah. so the thing that we focused on but 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 still improvised you know um, largely but the moves can be kind of called like wrestling you know yeah so we developed a system where you just give targets with your hand right and that's that you're inviting the person to strike you in that target and you are ready to react and you know kind of based on the way you shape your hands that kind of indicates kind of what strike you're kind of calling for or whatever mm -hmm. um Let's just say that that we were implementing that before we were experts at it <laughs> and quickly realized that um, we had gone too far. We, we, we hurt each other. We so were punching each other in the face. We're just punching each other in the face. <laughs> yeah, or like worse, like someone's down on their knees and they're like putting a target up, like kick me in the face. Right. And, and it's like, this is going to look amazing. And it does because it's realer than it needed to be. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But so, so now I'm older and wiser, and I and I would I I would am now more safety conscious than other people would even want to be. I'm like, I'm hardcore because I went so far, you know. Yeah, yeah I've sure. I as a younger improviser did a, a flip on stage and someone uh and I'm quite uh even though I'm a larger guy, I'm quite uh, flexible and physical performer and so I did a flip on stage and I was managing my speed uh fine but one of the other performers on stage kind of helped me in the air a little bit and so I over rotated and just smashed my knee on the stage uh and we had to stop the show and call an ambulance like I couldn't walk off the oh stage and there was a doctor in the house and stuff like that and Rick Brown who we just uh interviewed last week um was at a huge show like we have uh, we we do shows here in Melbourne called Celebrity Theatre Spots where we get, you know, radio celebrities, TV celebrities and bring them in on stage with our performers and always packs out a huge theatre. Oh, so, sell out huge venue. Yeah, I was yeah. always so jealous of those shows. Oh, <laughs> man, they're so great. They were so much fun. And um, and so we're at this, you know, 5,000-seat venue and Rick just fell back on his hand and you just see him freeze. Oh. 
And then you just see him get up and walk off the stage. <laughs> and, and it's like everyone kind of went, okay, let's just keep going. And we kept going and the scene was good, but he just snapped his arm. Like he was oh, off stage. Gosh. Ambulance was there was in within 15 minutes. He's sucking on a green pen, high as a kite, but just snapped his arm completely on stage. So Rick doesn't fall on stage at all anymore. <laughs> like he's just like, I can't do it. Like, And it was one of those ones where he just fell backwards, but it just hit the arm wrong on the thing. Those are the two most kind of horrible physical things that have happened on a stage. Yeah, which... no, I, I stay away from all that. I'm very safe. I've been safe yeah. from the beginning. So I hate I'm, to break it down. Yeah, I'm normally really good. As I say, I'd kind of measured my flip, but someone kind of pushed as a, as I flipped, and it was uh, no, it was not good. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's because I started teaching, like I was teaching high school students so much that like I was always working in high schools where it's like safety. No, that, yeah. hey, don't even step off the stage. You got to go down the stairs. Down the stairs. <laughs> like everything. I like Rick's instinct uh, to save the show, though. Yeah, I, I can very much identify with that. Yeah. Yeah, he was just he just off and out, like straight up. Just off. like, oh, I'm in the most intense pain of my life. Let mm-hmm. me gracefully exit. Yes. <laughs> Is it stage left? Thank you. I couldn't do that when I did that flip. It was it just went clank and the, everyone it was a small show that was like you know 30 people there or so and it was just like a oof, oof. uh not not that I don't want to keep talking about injuries. Uh but I want to jump back to what we were talking keep about. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> with uh, with uh with scratch and how coming coming together because like that's you talked about what it's like now like it's it's got like more of a structure to it but in the early days like because what i remember from it most the thing that i'm like what the sh- format was the quote-unquote format at the time was yeah. that you would spin around as yeah. an edit and jump in the air in like 360 and that yes. you would switch characters throughout that was like the two points that i still take with me now that i'm like that was scratch that, like if i had to sum it up like the threads and stuff i was like maybe there's three threads i don't remember that but i definitely remember the spinning and the cool um merchandise as well you guys had oh yeah uh entrepreneurial from day one for sure yeah. uh, i love that merch. um you know i th- we would go i would go to secondhand stores and pick up you know a bunch of old suit blazers and button up shirts and and then screen print them and it was really i think we didn't make a ton of money off of it it was like maybe a tiny bit but really not much but it was just like it felt like the best advertising we could be doing yeah it was so cool my scratch hat i lost it i don't know where it is it it might be somewhere in my house but i haven't seen it in years and i miss it because it's like a unique a one-of-a-kind scratch like no it was it was my scratch hat yeah <laughs> anyway um so the spinning and the switching characters like that was where it's was that where it started like was that that you were like hey arlen i got this idea what if we do no arlen asked me about it because it was something that he had been tinkering with and then we kind of just i just kind of jumped in and we didn't know what we were doing, but it went well. And then mm-hmm. we just started refining, you know, like for example, at the beginning, here are some of the, uh, here are some of the structural elements that we were like, this is what it means to have a scratch show. Like in mm-hmm. year one, there must be a news segment that uh, you use to um, identify all the different threads and try to bring them together. <laughs> uh, there must be at least five threads. Uh, you have to do celebrity <laughs> impressions. Um, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like a lot of hoops to jump through oh guys that, that was a good show out there but nobody impersonated a single celebrity what the hell was oh that? that was never a problem we had like, <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing at the end of the day um we were trying to do 
the best of what we love about short form and the best of what we do about long form mm -hmm. and jettison the parts about those two forms that we don't like and bring it together and make our own thing that makes us happy, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, we talk about the five pillars of Scratch and we have a mantra before every show to this day where we review the five pillars of Scratch and there's like a, almost a, a back and forth, right? Like somebody says one thing and then the other person has to like, do, okay, so it'll be like um, story, right? So that's one of the pillars, right? Yeah. And then the other guy has to be like, strong character objectives. Um, make sure, you know, <laughs> you have to kind of like answer, like what does story mean? Oh, to, you nice. know what I mean? Yeah. And then the last one is always laughs. Laughs is the last bit. And it's like, we're not like apologetic that we're like trying to be a comedy show that makes, you know, that is like competitive uh, relative to other comedy shows. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, be they sketch or stand up or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. And do you guys still work with the DJ? I think it was DJ Honeycutt when I when you guys yeah. came out here. No, we had we had different musicians. We we had a DJ back in Canada a bunch, but we also toured with Nico the uh, cellist, okay. yeah, uh, a lot. And um, we've had different people, but uh, it's kind of just what we can make work. We we have gotten into a thing where we like to do like now for the montages, if possible, we'll have the live perf musician perform the song live. Right, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Which has been a nice touch. I don't know why it took us so many years to get to that. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, totally. Cool, man. Yeah. But thanks for asking, guys. It's been a long time. <laughs> I had people ask yeah. me to break down what Scratch is all about. No, I'm, I'm sure that it, it certainly uh, it informed a lot of play here after it blew through. I think there was a lot of people looking to to kind of match that energy and and that that kind of fearlessness that, that we saw on the stage. So I think it certainly had an effect when it blew through Melbourne here. Yeah, and it's funny because you say like eh, it didn't have it, it. Sounds kind of like a normal show nowadays. Like if you hear three threads, two guys doing improv, um, like that happens all the time. But back then, like that was still pretty fresh. Like there mm -hmm. were like duos were not a big thing, especially oh. long form duos playing a hunt like a fifty characters. Like that was not an original thing. Back, we, or back then, it was not a common thing. It was an original. Yeah, I think we were just copying the crumbs, but we didn't want to be exactly like the crumbs. So yeah, we yeah. Tried to be like an opposite version of the crumbs. Oh, like right. they Faster. were slow comedy, but yeah. we were going to be fast comedy. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And more physical than you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Than, yeah, like yeah, Lee can just stand there and be funny, but we're gonna jump and be funny. Like, <laughs> Some of us gotta work for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like after Scratch, you became the AD of Rapid Fire, mm. or were kind you at together, the same time? Kind of together, like was, yeah. That, at the time, AD at Rapid Fire was a part-time position, and so um, I was able to kind of juggle two things you know with the idea being like i'm kind of doing full-time work when i'm here but then i go off on tour and i have people like kind of covering for me so yeah um because you know i mean like let's be real improv theaters notoriously not the best paying uh institutions yes so you got to kind of make it work yeah yeah first is you have to pay rent <laughs> and then if there's anything left over we'll pay some people that seems yeah. to be the thing yeah uh yeah and then you left for america so here's the real question which is better canada or america <laughs> well it depends i mean do what? you like what it depends <laughs> what i'm just joking <laughs> uh, if if you're a fan of like 
collapsing societies on the brink of civil war that use violence as a currency, then America is way better. <laughs> but um, if that's not your cup of tea, then I might recommend Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but of course, more serious, what was what was that move like? Because I haven't talked to you really since you like yeah. before and after. Like, was it like you dropped into a community? Like you came in as like an outsider kind of and just took over AD of like the, the improv theater? Or, yeah. or or did you already have a strong connection to Atlanta beforehand? I, I don't know. Like I had visited a few times. So like a strong connection in the same way that like you had a strong connection in like Edmonton and Winnipeg and and Vancouver and Toronto and, and sure, you know, yeah, Jason yeah. with you, Sydney and Melbourne, and I'm yeah. guessing Adelaide or, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the people and you, you know, uh, but for me, there was still a huge amount of learning curve as far as, you know, the institution has actually got a lot more um, kind of to it than a lot of places I've seen. Like I didn't, I don't think I knew what I was walking into. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's of course the cultural shock, the culture shock of you're in a totally different, you know, everything and there's mm -hmm. stuff that you don't get and stuff that's different. So um, it was a bit of a like topsy turvy, like first year or two. And then, and then it became home pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you spent the first year or so kind of absorbing the, the culture, the, the people, the energy, uh, uh, and and wanting to to well, change it up as well, or, or bring your own uh, focus to that. Yeah, you know, man. Like, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but like, I'll be real. Like, when I was twenty nine, which was the age I was when I came down for this job, yeah, I still had this like obnoxious confidence that is like only possible with people operating from the height of privilege <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying and i was just boldly making big moves right and now i look back and i'm like some of them paid off but man you got some balls kid like yeah. good god <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. and not in a, i'm not saying that in a good way i'm saying yeah, yeah. that in a negative way like yeah you know so i was absorbing but i was also like Time to it's, get to work, guys. Yeah, I know what's best. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. We're That's doing new. scratch five nights a week. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then, yeah. yeah so, what are uh, uh, what are the? I mean, you spent ten years at at Dad's Garage. Uh, what are the, yeah. some of the the highlights for for you? Uh, I I had always intended to kind of make it there, but on my tours of the U.S could never find a way to get, get I was right. always on a coast somewhere. Yeah, and, I think we even talked a couple of times and it was like, ah. Yeah, it's it was just it was just hard to do with. North with, America's bigger than you think. Like, yeah. We're in, I'm in North America. I might as well hit all the holy cow. Yeah. Wait, like, what? <laughs> um, and so I never got there while you were in uh, in charge of the place. So what, what were some of the things that were highlights for you? Like some of the things that you uh, maybe took a punt on and, and came off or some of the things that surprised you or the work that that, that got done there. I'd just be curious to, to know that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've got some things that I'm really proud of. You know, there's some things that I set out to do and I felt like I did them as best as I could. Um, so like, um, you know, like the most tangible, obvious thing is like when I took the job, they were like, okay, so just so you know, this property we're on could be sold out from under us at any minute. And right. so for the first like couple of years, we were like living on borrowed time. And then finally the ax fell 
and we were homeless for a couple of years after yeah. that. And, you know, I worked with the rest of the staff and the board and the whole community. Um, we all worked together. Um, but as you guys know, like leadership takes a lot of that uh, burden, <laughs> right? Like when you're asking for favors, everyone's a part of it, but uh, some people are really doing a lot of work and some people are just helping out where they can. And yeah. so to lead us with uh, everyone else in the organization and the other leadership to, from being homeless to purchasing our own building that we own. It's a church. It's It's been renovated on the inside insofar as we could afford. We've yeah. got a big neon sign up front that says dad's garage. We've got a big parking lot next to us. And it's like this fixture of the community like that. I was so proud of, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Um, that's, but that's also huge. like, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that's huge. I was like, I, I almost wanted that. I was going to ask you that first thing i was like what's it like converting a church into a theater because <laughs> that was something i was like that's the coolest story <laughs> but well, it sounds like it was amazing it was hard it was really hard and there was a lot of compromise you know um i i actually designed the layout of the theater space itself <laughs> not because i'm an expert but because we couldn't afford a designer and they were like well you're the artistic director so it's your job right. and <laughs> thankfully i happened to know another artistic director who had done that only like for real like with millions of budget not like a few hundred grand like us you know yeah. and um he gave me this book actor audience and architecture <laughs> And it's all about how to design theater spaces. And wow. I read this book and then I was like, this is how we should do the space. And you're like, at this point, you're like 31. So you still have a little bit of that overconfidence uh, <laughs> left yeah, over I from mean, the 20s. And you're like, I can do this. Then, I'm going to read a like, book. And now I'm an architect. <laughs> I think I think I was waning the 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 young guy confidence and yeah. starting to grow the like old guy like. I know nothing just like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That wisdom, we call it wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, uh, uh, that's something that uh, I've spoken about on the podcast before, but I, I, I've had a bit of trouble adap adapting to that energy um, from younger performers. And I was as I had my tail up in the air and I was as young bullish as anyone else. Um, and, 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 you know, cocksure and strutting peacocking all over the place. And now when I meet those, those kind of players, I'm like, okay, I know the space you're in, I can give you a bit of room, but it's hard to kind of, it's hard to deal with it from this side. Sometimes I just kind of go, all right, I'm going to give you all the space you want right now. <laughs> like it's, it's hard. Yeah. You're hardest <laughs> on people that show you your own qualities. That yeah. You don't find desirable. Right. So yeah, when I see yeah. a young punk full of confidence, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's I was like, it's just not their like fault. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like you, but it's not their fault that they happen to remind you of a younger version of yourself. Yeah, you right. Know. <laughs> so I'm trying to give them the space, but also just let them know that, hey, man, I'm here when you fall. Okay. I got you. 
Yeah, I think that's one of my. So I, I still work with teenagers to this day uh, in many different capacities. Like did the improv games for a long time, but then worked at like the Belfry Theater, working with their youth program, and now I teach in a high school twice a week. And working with teenagers is all about confronting younger myself. Like yeah. all I do is see all these teenagers that I'm like, okay, yeah, you're you're me when I was 16. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, cool, that's cool. I'm gonna let you do that, even though it's not gonna work. But you need that lesson, so I'll let you do it. Like because. <laughs> I could like no one could have told me when I was that age. Yeah, not to, absolutely. Not to do that, right? It's like oh, yeah. yeah, it's like no, they're gonna do it. That like my wisdom is to allow them to fail. I guess like <laughs> I'm gonna let you make that mistake for yourself. That's the that's the the wisdom of, of <laughs> that. I'm, that's how I'm teaching. <laughs> yeah, by recognizing what they are going to do and letting them do it. I watch yeah, the like, train. I watch the speeding forward. train go right off the cliff. What's the like? What's your, how's your relationship to performing changed uh, over like, say clock the last 10, 15 years? Yeah. You identify like over COVID uh, like, a lot. Well, yeah. Like <laughs> kind of COVID notwithstanding. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like let's, if, if we can, let's filter out COVID. I, I would just be curious to ask if you guys could articulate like a specific difference between your relationship to performing 10, 15 years ago and today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm I'm happy to go first because I, I I feel like this shift happened uh, when uh, kind of halfway through my career and it was as simple as this: as a young buck, I wanted to go out and I wanted to hit the audience over the head and win them over and drag them onto the stage and go this this is it. And and now as a an older performer, I want to leave space for the audience to join me on the stage. I want them to to come to me rather than me like trying to, to to really win them over. So to have the confidence to commit to a form, a type, a genre with in a way that includes them to tell the story and lets them come in to the story. So that that switch to me was was the big one, I think, going from that kind of I'm going to win you over and I'm going to, I'm, uh, I'm going to grab you by the shirt front. Now I'm just want to leave space for the audience to, to be a part of it and, and bring the energy they bring and then incorporate that, that in. So it's, it's that kind of tide going out versus tide coming in thing is a, is a real kind of was a real switch of energy for me. I think that's the big difference between me as a young bull and, and now. I think that's cool. Yeah, man, totally. I, I mean, I echo a lot of what you just said. I think for me too, though, I guess the thing for me, like, I feel like it's been like a really slow, gradual change. There hasn't been like, there wasn't a moment where it all changed necessarily. I think there, maybe there was when I was like, when I realized like, I don't have to like always run out on stage and do stuff. Like I can just sit back and the show's going fine. Like when you get over that, like young, like trying to get out and prove yourself kind of improv yeah. mindset. Like I remember the, the moment I remember more was the moment when I stopped being the youngest guy at the festival. Like I was always like one of the young, like 20 year olds at this improv festival feeling like, Ooh, I'm the young guy. These guys are all so old. And to the day when I was like, Oh shit, I'm one of the old guys now, all these <laughs> young people around <laughs> like that. I remember more, but the, the improv style, I think I've really just like slowly gotten more towards what I wanted to do. Like I've slowed down a lot more. I've gotten more poetic with my words, become even more of a wordsmith and storyteller than I was when I started out, just because I've gained more experience in that and I've learned more about the world. And like I've always wanted to make my shows have more themes and more depth to them that that people can take away with them. And now I'm actually at a point in my career where when I go on stage, I actually can do that. Like I get find those moments. Whereas when I was young, it was always like, 
Oh, wow. Wow. Really brilliant discovery. Yeah. Fear controls people. Great theme, Dave. Yeah. Like we didn't <laughs> know that, right? Like they were all like hit you over the head M. Night Shyamalan themes and not like actual real storytelling stuff. I, I, so I, I just I, dissed M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> no. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> like that was, that was like, that's, that's where I've kind of, I've just, I've actually achieved what I wanted to achieve. I think it's the, it's the way I would put it. Yeah. I look forward to seeing a show of yours uh, one of these days uh, because I, I, okay, this, this is going to fly in the face of when we started and you said, Kev, you're one of the most positive people I know. I'm like, <laughs> okay, look, this is my take, you know? And I'm like, okay, my neighbor uh, last weekend went to see a show at the theater and it just so happened Amber was performing. So we were like, oh, great. You see an improv show, Amber's in it. That's so fun. And then I saw him the next day. I said, hey, how was the show? And he's like, man, it was so good. But you know what? It always is. That's how you guys do. You guys are always so good. And I was like, you know, um, I hate to admit this, but as someone who's AD, I was AD for 10 years, my perspective is a little bit different. And mm -hmm. uh, it would go uh, something like this. We're rarely good. And, um, <laughs> and, and I said, Look, that's just the nature of wanting to improve, right? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, but for us, it's good. And I was like, yeah, for me, I'm just like, improv is rarely good it is but it can be good it just often is not yes <laughs> you know is this how your perspective has changed that you used to think about <laughs> i think good, that's what i'm and saying now you're like, pretty I, sure it's not good <laughs> i used to think it was the be all and end all and now i'm like I, everything is bad everything is bad but <laughs> There is some things that are still mind-blowingly good. Yeah. And it's just like, I guess for me, if it's not there, I'm so not into it. And, yeah. and, and it's and that's a really hard place to be because we know improv is about letting go of expectation and about trying to be a certain fit a certain thing. So there's a real tension there. So you know, I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> no, no, I, I yeah, I hear you too. It's it's hard sometimes. It's hard. I, I again I spent a lot of time with teenagers, so I've watched lots of bad improv and found <laughs> techniques found techniques to get over watching bad improv and like reminding myself that to them this is new yeah this is right. new. to their parents this is amazing watching their child that they remember who is afraid to speak in front of people playing a kid this is amazing so there are positive things i can find in bad improv which you're right most of it's bad um but um but i think that's that 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 it's like in history people used to just build buildings, right? That were just like, that could, people could get inside and live inside. And that was awesome. Like we're satisfied, you built a building. And now when we see a building, if it's just like a mud square box, we're like, ugh, what a gross building. Because we've learned of all the different things you could it could be. And we've seen these incredible architecture skyscraper things. So we know what improv can be. And what I'm watching right now is not what it could be. This is like- Yeah, everybody is, seems very content to make mud buildings. And yeah, that, I am. I have no interest in your mud building people. And I guess what I'm saying is, I, improv hasn't changed at all. That we've changed as we get older, right. and like, but improv is this is what this is exactly what it's how joyful it's been the whole time. Except from <laughs> here, we're like, I've seen more joy. I've seen more joy. <laughs> the I've seen more positive people do this. This is that was funny, but I've seen funny. Like that's what we're looking at. Yeah, improv. I don't want to get out of bed unless you can give me this much joy, please. <laughs> okay, so I had this this thought the other day. I want to ask you guys if you agree or disagree. If you think I'm on something or if you think i'm just an asshole at this point i agree. Career, um, I, agree. Um, I agree 
we were talking about the the culture because you know I'm all about this like uh, balance dual duality right I'm always like this oh perfect time for me to plug my Ooh, class the Dow of improv oh uh, yeah <laughs> improv learning center uh, click the link below uh, I have a class that talks all about duality <laughs> and my my thing I was on the other night about was about stand up versus improv and they're no doubt opposites in every way imaginable, including the culture that it creates and so on. And I, I said, I said, you know, the thing that stand-up lacks that improv has is that um, there's no culture of, of nurturing. And so the artist is forced to kind of get the straightest line to the point to get the laughs. It's not like you're going to be rewarded for a lot of like coloring outside the lines and creativity. So you get a lot of standup that kind of starts kind of becoming the same because it's hard to take risks in an environment. That's like, make me laugh now, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Improv. There's too much nurturing. It's like, you guys need a little bit more pressure to deliver here. You know, Um, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with this. I love it. No, I, I make a similar thing, but with poets, spoken word artists, I do spoken word poetry or did a lot back in the day. And the same thing is true. Spoken word poets are like the worst. <laughs> They're like, I like to say it's like, it's like hurting catastrophes when you're when you're dealing with poets because they're just any moment they can break down and they're like everything they say is, is so sensitive and meaningful and if you criticize it you've criticized their soul and they take it all so personally and improvisers are the opposite where we waste words like you couldn't imagine like everything right. i'm saying right now is just shit whatever it doesn't even matter blah 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 moving around um and so like poets can teach improvisers a lot about uh, about treating things Being like they are precious, precious. with their yeah. words yeah. Yes. Yeah, just just caring about what you're saying and finding beautiful things, whereas po- poets can learn a lot from improvisers about just chilling the fuck out. Like just let it go. It's not the most important thing in the world. This poem. It's a poem. It's a I, poem. I also I think that, that comes. I also think that comes back a little bit to how companies are structured, because a lot of people's business model is nurturing people through and and level upon level upon level and and uh and the way that they run their company is encourages that level of 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 nurturing because for each extra level you can charge an extra six months of of something through and so so that pressure isn't on to to kind of uh get get there quickly um and and i think the business model sometimes doesn't help that either it's, I am. I've got a sizzling hot take on that one. <laughs> oh, hot take. Which is the, here? Just here's the question I would like every leader of every institution and organization to ask themselves. I'm going to ask At myself right point, now. Have you crossed the threshold from nurturing a community into profiteering on the hopes and dreams yes. of people who aspire to artistic careers? You are promising them a carrot that does not exist. Like. Yep. Where does that boundary land? And I think mm-hmm. it's the ugly truth is a lot of people are on the wrong side of that boundary. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, because I, I was going to say to Jason's point too, like school, education, learning should be a nurturing environment. Like yeah. that's classes, improv classes should be nurturing. Yeah. And you yeah. should be moving up to the Absolutely. level of being taken care of. Yeah. And care of. But then it's like, there's got to be an end to it where it stops. And it's like, all right, you've done all you can do with the school. And I'm not going to put you in any of these shows because you just aren't quite good enough. Like, you just don't have that. You don't have what we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it needs to end at some point. Like, to the like you can't 
because I feel like yeah, if you take that nurturing into the shows, then it does create uh, what Kevin was describing about a bunch of bad improv. Um, but you need some nurturing. Like you don't want to be in a in a theater company full of assholes that are vicious with each other. Yeah. Like, you need to still understand <laughs> yeah. that we're all growing, but it just has to be more of a blend, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I had like so Paper Street's classes go up and then we have this master class, I call it, which is just the, the last class that we do. That's just a three month at a time. You sign up whenever you want and we just do a couple shows and we like work on some skills. And it's like I'm all like going to a gym for improvisers. And that's like that's the that's like my catch all like here's here's where I here's here's now we're just having fun working on stuff. And then from there, sometimes people move into performing and other times they just stay in master class. And it's like. To me, that's my like line. That's where I walk the line. It's like, this is the fun. If you just like doing improv and you want to have fun doing improv, here you go. There's a class you can take forever. But if you want to do it, like I'm going to put these in quotes professionally in quotes, then there's nothing else here. If you want, you can go produce your own shows and start your own companies. That would be wonderful. That's always my hope that like other people make the show. So I don't have to produce shows for everybody. Cause like the way I run paper street is very like, we do three shows a year. Like that's it. That we do yeah. three big shows a year and the rest of the time we're doing classes and you know some we have a few other things we do but you know you what I, what i'm enjoying is that there are a few different companies and schools here in melbourne now uh and some of them teach very different styles but it's all the same thing and what I, what i'm enjoying is the moment where people blow out the top of of the the chain um and they they are either satisfied and looking for something else or dissatisfied and trying to find something else and that's where i find a lot of people who are uh, really great to improvise with like who are they're looking they're they're trying to find it they're curious they're they're willing to take risks and stuff like that they're seeking things out um and there's been a few nights that have uh in in very small bars around the place that have kind of gotten all these these people from different play, uh, pa uh, places come together and start playing together. And that's been a really nice experience. I think um, once people are free of the, I'm in this yard, you're in that yard, we can't really talk, you know, that kind of thing is, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's annoying. Like, but yeah, to your profiteering point, because I think that is interesting. When are you profiteering off of people's hopes and dreams? Yeah. Because that is definitely a thing. And, and I mean, I, don't, I, I feel like I don't worry about it too much in Victoria. I'm in Victoria, British Columbia. For I'm in sure. a town where people come to retire. And most yeah. of my students are like government workers just having fun on the weekend. Yeah. And that's great. And I'm just like, I, I market and my classes like also yoga. Also, the word itself, profiteering, implies a profit. <laughs> profit, yeah. <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, and then like, like I market my classes with the slogan, please nobody steal this. Uh, well, I guess you can use it if you're not in Victoria. Uh, like yoga, but funnier is the slogan I put on all my yeah. flyers, right? And that's the market I'm going for. People that would normally do a yoga class instead yeah. come to an improv class. It's just yeah. for just yeah. for your own fun and, and mental health stuff. And that's who most of my students are. So I, I never really feel like I'm I'm like, you, you want to be on stage? You got to take these 17 levels of classes. Yeah. First, and I'm not <laughs> going to put you to show. Like, I never feel like I'm doing that because I yeah, don't yeah. have enough shows or that are like making money. I don't think any of our shows really make mm. a profit in Victoria. Like I, it's, it's I, I, you make a great point about like Victoria, British Columbia changes the dynamics, right? Like Atlanta, Georgia is a major American city that has become like an entertainment hub, you know, yeah, and a lot of as that's garage continued to thrive. Um, our classes, like we could, we could fill 
any amount of classes that we had space and teachers for, right? Mm -hmm. And I became somewhat notorious for like ranting about the golden handcuffs and basically saying like, while I'm here, we are a theater that does classes, not an academy that does shows, okay? And I do believe that there is like a an artistic death spiral that like organizations can get into Mm -hmm. when they find themselves catering to students so much that they start alienating like general public. And then they kind of have to double down and cater more to the students, which only further alienates the general public. And then you're not selling tickets to people. You're just bringing your students in to watch you do improv. And at that point, and you're basically not even a bowling night meets a cult, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, a ki- you're a community group then rather than a professional company. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of being in our late 20s and cocky, um, I remember when I was in a show somewhere, I'm not even going to say the city because I don't want to make anyone feel bad. And I asked the audience before this solo set I was about to do, I was like, how many people here are improvisers? Like, raise your hand if you are, take a class, do improv. And and there was two people that weren't improvisers in mm-hmm. the audience. And so I told them, I was like, well, welcome, welcome to our workshop. Mm-hmm. And then I just asked them for a suggestion, the audience. And then I did a very dramatic, still sad improv show because I knew I was performing for improvisers and you guys get enough fucking wackety wackety comedy. I'm going to do something totally different for you because yeah. we can because we're only improvisers here. Why are we pretending well, it's a show? It. And it's yeah. that like we're pretending it's a show, even though it's really just a bunch of improvisers hanging out. And so like I, I was like and I, I, that was when I was cockier. I don't do that anymore when I go places. You know? <laughs> pull the audience be like this is fucking bull this is just a cult i don't do that anymore but um, oh, you're all improvisers i'm giving you the dramatic shit <laughs> was, yeah that's what i do only if it's improvisers nothing but drama and, and no laughs no laughs i want you to walk out it's so bad um but but like um when i like uh, one of the things i've been most proud of for paper street's audience is we get regular people like mm, theater yeah. goers come see our shows uh, and we only do a few a year. Like we don't do that Friday night every show. Pack I think that stuff. helps you. I really do think that serves you as far as that audience building. Like it's mm. like the show is special. It's not yeah. like every day kind of. It's like th- you've got two or weeks or however long your run is of your show, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and people buy seasons tickets and they come every for, to all three shows throughout the year. And it's like, you no, know, that's the that's the atmosphere I wanted to develop. This is what I was talking about about the speeding train being Spider Man. Yeah, I I don't do that. I didn't even no, set up a speeding cool. train because I don't want to have to. I'm I'm I came to Victoria to like chill out. Like why am I doing this? Yeah. So like that that's like really helped with that sort of avoiding that cult of feeding off of people's want to be in movies. That yeah. somehow because I'm pretty sure everyone that's ever taken a level one class at Paper Street is under no impression that this is going to lead them to being in a comedy movie. Yeah. No one is like, this will get me onto 30 rock. It's like, no, nope, it's not <laughs> going to even you're in the wrong place. You got to go down the coast for that. The hardest thing for me it, it, in regards to the, those kind of profiteering companies and stuff like that is oftentimes people have gone to a summer school in Chicago and come back and just copy ad hoc what they think the company is and 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 the levels that get taught there um and then that person who doesn't really have any idea about it is opening that that company and then a year later the person they've teach taught is teaching level one as they're teaching kind of level two and that's kind of kicked off all over the place as as the 
as the hub of Chicago, kind of, it's a mag, you know, it's a magnet for people. When I travel around, I see people who, and there are exceptions, people who have done it well and taken that model. But generally speaking, a lot of the time, I see the same mistakes made by the same kind of people, just trying to ape and mirror something that they've seen rather than than something that they they uh, have created themselves and and uh, are bringing. Um, to life, you know, a, a company with an ethos rather than just trying to mirror yeah. a company that's already there. I, do, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you feel about house teams? Kev? Me? Yeah, the idea of a house team, like 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 improv theaters that have house teams of students. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. What's your thought on house teams? Well, okay. I'll give you because you, you're, you're coming to get at a this sense from where my head's at. <laughs> what words do you think are about to come out of my mouth? <laughs> well, I'm based on your negativity towards improv and schools that or academies that do shows. It. I feel like you don't like them, but no, I, I don't like it. I much prefer the model that I think is more in line with what you do, um, which is like casting. I, I think like casting a show that is like trying to build a cast for a purpose, I think is much more interesting to me. Or I think um, uh, ensemble work where the same group of people are working together over years and years and developing a certain chemistry. I think that's more interesting or groups that form themselves, not because that they were a graduating class of some random thing, but because they have some shared aesthetic. Like those are three different paths that I am way more interested in than a house team personally. Totally. Yeah. I, I I think I completely agree with you. Yeah. And some people that might be listening, people that might be listening are like, fuck guys, but that's what we do because it makes it helps keep the school running. Yeah. And and it's I get it. I get it. And it's a it is a model, but it's definitely not my favorite model. Yeah. And that's what I mean by people who blow out the other end. (laughs) It's like those people who have found a bit of a connection and were trying to explore it and and bring it onto the stage. And and so those nights really really kind of kick off because even if the improv is still trying to find its way, at least it's trying to find its way. It's not resting on, on, you know, comfortably in this house team and stuff like that. I always remember that one of the nights I went to one of the local theaters here and uh, one of the improvisers kind of came up and said, Oh, you're an improviser. I'm like, yeah, I am. How you doing? And, and they were like peacocking about being in level four or level five or something like that. And I'm like, I'm in level five. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I said, oh, I, 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 I've been working in improv for 25 years. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's just play. Come on. <laughs> so it's it's kind of hard to go. All right. Um, yep. Good. Good. I'm, I'm happy that you're, you're proud of that, but let's just, let's play. Let's play with this here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it's it is an interesting thing that the the way classes interact with improv companies and how mm. they have kind of taken over. Like it's interesting because like I kind of get that kid who's like I finally got into level four and like I'm working my way up and I'm feel like feeling good about that because like that's the world they're living in of all these students kind of competing through a pecking order. Mm. So I see it, but it's like it is weird. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's like so. Dude, like, uh, think about yourself. As a, as a young person, I think of myself at 15, having discovered improv, I took literally every improv workshop I could find. You couldn't yeah. give me yeah. enough. My mom was signing me up for this and that and this and that. And I'm like, now I'm like sitting where I'm sitting here and I'm like, Kevin, you motherfucker, you're trying to 
to stem the availability of these opportunities to learn to people like fuck you that yeah. changed your life there should yeah. be a million improv classes uh i just don't like the way it affects the dynamics of the perform the the the, the shows you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I i still love teaching it and i'll teach it as as much as i can but I, the way that i teach it is much much more different now the even to newer students is i just want them to focus on on the on the connection on the truth of the characters uh you know uh, on on finding their truth in the scene um even with newer improvisers so so they're learning to build that that currency of performance with other other people um and so to to what you're saying before david i spent um i did the final performance of a um a class I've uh, I spent two years with uh, at a drama school here, and they 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 were doing stuff and making choices that were making me so proud. Just because they were following their nose, and and there was some wobbly stuff in there as well, but there was also some stuff where I was like, "Wow, I can see your instincts kicking in here," and I had nothing to do with that choice you just made. You know what I mean? Like these performers are just taken off and. And it's uh, it's so lovely to see it. So uh, you, you want to give that to to people still, but China, the way that you deliver it is maybe a bit different. Well, and it gets to that thing we're talking about about like I've watched a lot of bad improv, and I found the things to love about watching improv. Yeah, is that students shows? I'm never expecting them to be good. Yeah, that's I'm not I'm not like yeah. I, I've they're learning. Why would they be good? Yeah. Like when I work with with at the high school we build a play in a week and i build a play with these kids and we throw it up on stage and it's this super fun experience and the play at the end they're so proud of it and they think it's amazing and it's not a great like i would never invite you to come see this play right not not because i'm not proud of the kids but because of course it's not going to be good we're learning we're just yeah. trying stuff and i'm saying yes to all their ideas because i want them to feel supported and create something and yeah. learn that experience of like what it feels like to take something and put it on stage that's what i'm teaching them the show i don't care if it's good if an audience comes and I'm like that was shit i'm like yeah i know but the point was to learn stuff right and yeah. that was like that's that's the thing of like the canadian improv games got into me was when i realized the point of the canadian improv games was not to teach kids how to be good improvisers it was to teach kids how to be good people and to have good experiences yeah. and to yeah. become like and become better like citizens in the world you know like that was what it was about so the shows of course they're bad there's, there's kids learning improv like of yeah. course it's i love that distinction though and it's important to me because as, as curmudgeonly as i might be coming across in this i'm like <laughs> when i teach a, a class i'll like fall in love with every student they're the most brilliant person i've ever seen yeah i go to their show their their grad show and i'm like they're amazing <laughs> and then it's like i'll turn around and look at um some like professional improvisers charging money for a show that's not good and i'm like they are the worst trash yeah. that I've ever seen. But yeah. these students that just did their first Herald yeah. are infinitely yeah. possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so uh, poured their heart into it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. you're so proud of them. They're they're being so brave. And it's yeah. just like, so I am I still a teddy bear in some ways. You know? <laughs> you're told you're one of the most positive people I know. You totally are. Uh you know it. You just you you act curmudgeonly, you put it on, right? Just so I, you have to. I think <laughs> I think that I've realized, I, I, again, feel free to push back if you guys think this is bullshit, but like the idea of toxic positivity inside the improv community, right? This idea that like improv is built out of building blocks of positivity and yes, and yes, and, and that anytime any kind of negativity is in, it's like kind of verboten, you know? And it's like, 
you know what? I actually think it's healthy to say, I don't like that. That's not good to me. (laughs) And it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah, I think, and it's good to get people uh, comfortable hearing that feedback and giving that feedback as well, like giving them the space to say, I'm not comfortable in this or, or uh, because I think that when, before you, you give them that chance, they do get stuck in that, that positive yes. And yes thing. And that's where you get to bad places with bad people as well. Um, when that is there. So, you know, encouraging that sense of, of, of self and being able to speak up, I think is very important um, all along the way, like to hear it and to, and to be able to give it as well in, in terms of feedback and, and where you're at. Just yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. And I, yeah, I think positivity is, it's good. I like positivity. Yeah. I like, yeah, I'm a positive great, person. For sure. And I like, I love joy. Joy is wonderful. I think joy, I, I would use the word joy in place of positivity most time, like it about joy to me, the mm-hmm. joy of discovery. Like you see someone discover something, it's joyful. You laugh. Uh, and that, and like, but to me, I think it's discovery is the real word that I think has to be in improv. Mm-hmm. The positivity, you can do a negative scene that's really negative that goes to really dark and negative places. And, and right. it's, ugh. but as long as you're discovering it as you go, then that, that to me is where, what, what, what improv should have a culture of, a culture of trying to discover things together and find things. And the problem with that, I think for lots of people, is that positivity always looks good. But discovery, sometimes you discover shitty scenes and you're in a shitty scene mm-hmm. and the show's bad because you decided, I oh, wait, I want to see what happens if we go this way. And you go that way and you're like, that was a bad choice. Now we did a bad scene and now the world's over because we were trying to sell tickets and positivity sells, whereas discovery sometimes doesn't. Like that's, I don't know. That's well, Let me ask you guys this. Hot I mean, take. Hot take. Have you ever, <laughs> building off of this, have you ever been in a show and you didn't think the show was that good? And then afterwards, everyone's like, great show. Yeah. And you say, great show. (laughs) And for me, when I'm in that situation, I feel less connected to the people around me, not more connected. I feel like we're lying and faking and I I don't like it. And I would like to find a place where we can be honest with each other and be really, truly, authentically communicating about how we feel, you know? Yeah, that's my my number one tip when that happens is at the end of the show, I laugh when the lights go down, like as we bow or whatever, it's like this end scene and I start to laugh <laughs> and then the lights come up and I'm still laughing and I'm like, well, that was a show. That was a show. <laughs> and I just call it out right away. It was still fun. I had a great time. It was joyful, mm-hmm. but we're not going to pretend that that was a great ending to a scene because it really <laughs> What the hell happened? There? But just showing the audience that we're laughing about it too. Like we yeah. all know that went weird, yeah. right? Yeah. At the end, when I don't know, Scott decided he was a werewolf and jumped out <laughs> and killed Amy. And now she's yeah. dead on the ground. And I was a tree or something. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And like, let's not pretend that didn't happen. Let's like, let's accept, yeah. right? This is yeah. that yes end. Let's actually accept it. Let's not let's not put on a positive face. Let's accept that, that was not a great moment, and that's yeah. okay. That's part of improv. Right? Yes, that failure thing, that idea of like being okay with failing, that gets replaced with with uh, with toxic positivity. We we take out failing. No, it's not a mistake. It's not a failure. It was great. It's like yeah. no, it was a failure, but it's it still was a great. failure, and that's okay. And yeah. that's great. That's great. I'm so happy you failed because look look what we learned from that moment, right? Like what a beautiful. Again, the teenagers do a terrible play, but look how much they learned doing that terrible play. That's what I'm, that, that's, that's a great thing. You know? 
So now that you're free of uh, Dad's Garage, how long has that been? A couple of years now, is that right? Oh, my God. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to become a freelance artist. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That was was going from, like, already a bad to great or to worse. (laughs) I haven't. It's been uh, it's been interesting, but I've I've gotten through and I'm about to produce my first uh, feature film. Um, We're going to be shooting in December. And it is so challenging and so rewarding and I love it and it's hard and it's great. And it's, yeah, I, it's, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that values their sanity or money, Mm -hmm. but other than that, it's great. (laughs) That's amazing. I know. Like I saw, I think it was, you guys had a Kickstarter. Was it a Kickstarter or like a, yeah, that was fundraising for it. And I was like, sweet. This is so fun. I'm so proud of you for doing that. And I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to do that. That sounds that sounds hard. <laughs> like, that's outside of my wheelhouse. Like that's, but I'm so. It was like that's such a cool challenge. That's uh, amazing. Can you can you talk much about the project? Like, or, or is it? Oh, yeah, I mean, sorry, improv. Improv, like, is the water in can and sunlight uh, yeah. that like allowed this to like bloom. You know, it's like. Um, First of all, everyone that's working on this in any capacity is someone that I met through improv, through Dad's yeah. Garage, yeah. right? Um, Amber is the lead. Um, nice. uh, I wrote the script. Arlen, my scratch partner. Oh, sorry. Amber's my wife for people that don't know my personal life. And then <laughs> uh, Arlen is the other half of Scratch, and he's directing. Right. Um Colin Mockery, who's obviously like an improv yeah. legend, is yep. the, is in the cast as well. Oh, um, sweet. Luke uh, Davis is a disabled actor here in Atlanta that I worked with on a short film because my younger brother has a similar type of disability to him. So I kind of wrote a part for Luke and, and it worked out and he clicked and he's amazing. So that's why I wrote this next project to like really <laughs> show what he can do as an actor. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I'm using like everybody I've ever met through dads and through improv to like come together as a village to make this like very sweet, very funny film. It's a, it's a, it's a called how to ruin the holidays. It's about the log line is this a struggling comedian. When a struggling re- comedian reluctantly returns home for the holidays, she has to deal with her eccentric family and eventually faces a life changing decision regarding her brother with special needs. Nice. So it's kind of a mouthful, but it gives you the sense that it's like a kind of a feel good, but still kind That's of a funny. comedy Christmas. It sounds movie. like a funny feel good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds and awesome. you, you're going to kick off actual filming in a, you know, a couple of months. Yeah. December 1st is wow. like the first day of shooting. And I'm like in it, like my browser has so many tabs that are permanently <laughs> open because I've got the, this draft of the schedule, this draft of the budget, this draft wow. of the, you know what I mean? Like it's never ending. That's so cool, man. Oh, That's man. So, it must be so fun to work on such a big project though. Like to just, like, I just, I was like a, a couple of weeks ago, finally started doing classes in person again since the pandemic. Like we've been in, it's been not allowed yet, but now people are vaccinated. We can do vaccine only classes and stuff. And I've started again and suddenly my life is like busy again. And I'm like, wow, I forgot what it's like to be busy. Like yeah. I actually have like when someone asks me like, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? It's like, let me check. Like I actually have to check. Like it's been so long because for a year and a half, it was like nothing. I'm not doing anything tomorrow. Totally. I know that I already. And so like totally. it going to like busy again, has been so fun. So I can only imagine 
how busy you've gone to from so slow that it yeah. must be like like just you're pumped like you're like oh man i love this is so great like even though it's stressing the hell out of you it's like so no, you're busy. right yeah totally oh great. yeah that's think? it um i i was like i was like all artists everywhere i didn't have any prospects for a while in yeah. 2020 and it was hard you know yeah so it feels good well, thank you so much for taking the time out oh, yeah, to chat with us today. It's been absolutely oh, just, wonderful, my friend. We just got started. Oh, God. <laughs> well, um, let's do it again after the movie's out and then yes. see how my dreams turned into bitter realities. <laughs> yeah, but only that. but but we have to be able to watch it first so that when for we're sure. on the podcast, all we do is give you notes on the film. Like, okay. <laughs> so I found this scene to be a little uh, like, what were you thinking with the lighting? And the, that's what it was. Kev said he was about honest feedback. So we've got <laughs> a lot of it for him. <laughs> yeah, now, um, like... <laughs> if you want to check out Kevin's uh, workshop on the Improv Learning Center website, um, there is a link in our show notes. Just click that and it'll take you through. Uh, I also have a uh, thing in the Improv Learning Center called the Artist and the Craft, a workshop there that you can take. Uh, so uh, while you're there, take them both. Why not? Um, yeah. But uh, uh, if you want a, a link to that, uh, check out uh, the ILC or uh, most most. Uh, definitely click the link through the show because that gives a little kickback to Kevin um, and that would be fantastic. So yeah. to help him out and especially for taking the time out to come on the show. So I um, wanted to ask you more about this class too, because it's called the Tao, the Tao of Improv or Tao. I don't know how you like to pronounce it. I, I like Tao. Tao. Your first instinct was a good one for I'm me. I'm so old like school. Tao. I've been saying Tao, but now. Yeah, let's, uh, let's spend Tao. a couple of minutes. But, uh, chatting well, about we it. don't have, it's just because like, so the Tao of Improv, the Tao of Improv, I say Tao. Um, was what was originally going to be the name of my TEDx talk that I did. No way. But I thought, but I thought the Dow of improv, that's going to freak people out. Like it's too weird. People, not enough people know what that means. So I changed yeah. it to the way of improvisation, which is like yes. what Dow means. Right? So like, I just changed it because I was like, that'll smooth it over. It won't be so weird. But that whole concept of the Dow of improv, is like something I've, <laughs> I've held close to me so seeing that your class is called that i was like that's awesome i want to talk about what you, i'm going to take this class i'm actually going to take the class can i click the link in the thing and take it please do okay and i think honestly when i was building it i was like i would like to take this class yeah. because yeah. like i'll do exercises where i'm like okay you the, here's my approach after you finish this exercise you're going to have five comedic premises for sketches if that's a thing you would like to do yeah. okay next exercise you know what i mean like it's kind of not just improv it's also like writing and mm -hmm. kind of different different stuff yeah sweet yeah, sweet. yeah it, it was so cool but i saw it i was like this is awesome of course this is, this is why i love you so much this is it this is why we we both uh, were like this is this is the best name for a workshop and now <laughs> you got to do it. I'm so happy. Well, when you said what you said about how spoken word poets and improvisers can oh, teach each other something about words, that's the kind of thinking that I encourage in my thing. So when you said that, I was like, oh man, we are, we're on a beam here. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Oh, it's this Canadian, cool, fun, positive guys. That's who we are. But thank like you Jason. so much for having me, guys. Jason, I know you got to run, so I'm not going to make you talk about my class for another <laughs> 10 minutes. You got to run, man. Uh, thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up again sometime. That'll be wonderful. All right. Thanks Love for having you. me, guys. Love you. Uh, you're the best.